gracious and holy and loving God, thank you again for these beautiful stories of Scripture, stories of faith, witnesses to your presence among your people. We ask that you would help us to hear the story anew again this day, that you would help us to remember. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning I want to talk a little bit about belonging. I went to a workshop uh, at the local anti-racist conference yesterday that centered on this theme, belonging how all people want and need to feel like they belong in order to move forward in life. I wish I had time to talk about all the other great themes in this story from the book of Acts, also evangelism, divine appointments, diversity, worthiness, grace, inclusion. But today I primarily invite you just to think about what it means for you to belong. Have you ever longed for a sense of belonging Did you want to be in the in crowd to feel like you were part of a group? What was required for you to be accepted in that place, to be loved in that particular circle? Did you make the cut? Looking back on my life story, I've noticed that I've spent a lot of time and energy trying to belong. I imagine you can relate since we know that this is just a normal aspect of what it means to be human. We are hardwired to want to fit into groups because we're more likely to survive that way. Live together, die alone is uh, one way they say it these days. It's actually a quote from the TV show Lost, but uh, it's still true. In evolutionary terms, this has always been true. Going alone is dangerous. I've shared before about how social scientists have shown that loneliness It's not just a bad feeling we sometimes have. It actually causes poor health conditions and higher rates of mortality. Loneliness kills, literally. So even though we may sometimes try to tell ourselves that we're better off on our own, that we don't need anyone else, that I can be okay all by myself, just me, myself, and I, both science and scripture attest that this is a lie. It is not good to be alone, is what God has said to us from the very first human onward. We need to belong to someone, to something. That's one of the needs in the background of this mysterious figure who suddenly appears in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch. It's a somewhat random encounter. We're not given a lot of details about the man, but the the details that we do have are telling. We know that he was from Ethiopia, meaning he was a foreigner, a stranger, far from home. Most assuredly, he had a darker skin tone than most people in Israel at the time. At that time, in that part of the world, people from Africa were considered exotic and beautiful. So he had that going for him. And Ethiopia was, at that time, known to be a powerful nation. So this official was both powerful, and we know he was rich, because he was being escorted in a chariot. He was rich enough to own a book, too, and educated enough to know how to read it. This was a rarity in the ancient world. We're then told specifically that this man 
was the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia. So he was probably also royalty himself. Rich, powerful, educated, of noble birth. And yet still he was excluded. All of that privilege and power, and yet this man still faced many scenarios in which he did not belong. Why? Well, because he was also a eunuch. That's the other thing we're told about him. This man was probably castrated at a young age in order to make him somewhat less of a threat in the queen's court. He had been the victim of a brutal, barbaric custom, an act of violence that forever branded him sexually other in the eyes of his peers. It meant he would not marry. He would not have children. He would not be allowed to participate in the religious ceremonies of his friends or family because of his gender nonconformity. How isolating that must have been. And how sad that it wasn't even his choice. This, this exclusion, it was something that was done to him. He probably couldn't even remember when it happened. This was just who he was, a eunuch. It announced to the world that he was different, that he was other, that he did not belong. And yet here he shows up, near the beginning of the book of Acts, this outsider, near the beginning of the story of the, the Christian church. Here is a gender nonconforming, excluded black man, and we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. Isn't that interesting? I love how random and yet intentional it is. How the Holy Spirit called to Philip out of the blue, Philip being one of the Greek-speaking deacons recently ordained just to wait on tables. God said to Philip, get up and go out to this random wilderness road. So Philip, being the obedient servant that he was, he got up and he went out to this random location. And what did Philip find when he got there but this strange man on his way home from Jerusalem reading from the book of Isaiah. Since the Ethiopian was coming back from a festival in Jerusalem, we can assume that he had already discovered that eunuchs weren't welcome there either in the Jewish temple. There too, according to the laws of the Old Testament, he would have been excluded on account of his physical condition. He would have been unwanted there just as he had been in his own country. And yet, still, here, here he was, as Philip found him, reading the Old Testament. Maybe still looking for a way into this community of worship in spite of all the ways that he had already been told that he did not belong. I imagine at this point, Philip may have been a bit surprised since... Uh, Nothing like this had happened in the church previously. But Philip saw the chariot and the exotic man reading, and the Holy Spirit told him to run alongside of it. Not walk, but run. Run towards the stranger, said the Holy Spirit. As a side note, I'm curious what that sounded like to Philip that day. Was, was it a voice he heard? 
or just an intuitive feeling that he had. Somehow Philip just knew what to do. He felt like he had to offer help of some kind to come alongside. So Philip reached out. He asked this stranger if he understood what Isaiah was writing about. And it wasn't actually an unfair question if you think about it. Philip was a Greek. The stranger was Ethiopian. Neither one of them probably spoke Hebrew. They had this in common. The two of them were natural study buddies. So the eunuch invited Philip into the chariot to to discuss. And then Philip then told the Ethiopian all about Jesus. How Jesus was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. How Jesus welcomed everyone to his Jewish table. Sinners, foreigners, tax collectors, even those who were considered sexually impure. Philip explained how Jesus healed people and gave them dignity and restored them to community. And then Philip pointed out that like him, Jesus was also someone the establishment had rejected. How the officials had humiliated him and denied him justice. How the religious authorities had treated Jesus like he didn't belong either. But in the end, God raised Jesus from the dead because He, the Christ, the one they rejected, He is actually the true King, the author and perfecter of God's new kingdom, the one of justice and peace for all people. And now the risen Christ is welcoming everyone into this new beloved community, Jews and Greeks, men and women, servants and masters, natives and foreigners. No one who wants to follow Jesus will be turned away, says Philip. No one will be rejected or excluded anymore. The Ethiopian eunuch heard all this. He turned to Philip. He said, well, there's some water. What's to keep me from being baptized? And so... Philip baptized him. Just like that, right there on the side of the road, out in the middle of nowhere, with no lengthy preparation, no gathering of the church, to the consternation of process-oriented Christians and Presbyterians forever after. (laughs) The answer to this Ethiopian's question was clearly nothing. There was nothing to keep this foreign, sexually non-conforming man from being baptized, fully included, because there was and is no barrier to God's love. Not this man's race or his ethnicity or his nationality, not his gender identity or body image, not his wealth or position or status. In baptism, God declares that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In life and even in death, we belong. We belong forever. At the end of this little story, as soon as the Ethiopian man was baptized, then Philip mysteriously disappeared. The Holy Spirit called him away somehow. 
And yet the newly baptized child of God, the Ethiopian, wasn't distraught or dismayed. Philip may have been gone, but the Ethiopian eunuch could go on his way rejoicing because he knew that whether others were with him or not, he still belonged to God. He was no longer alone. He was and is in Christ. And Christ is now in him. And nothing can take that away. He belongs forever. Isn't this a great story? I, to think it's been, it's been here in the book of Acts all along. And yet, how many generations of Christians have excluded people based on these exact same things? Things like skin color, gender, gender identity, a sexual past. We need to remember this story. The story of inclusion. We, and we need to remember our stories of inclusion and belonging. Lest we fail to assure others that they also belong. I'll share a little bit of my story to perhaps jog a memory about yours. We all have these stories of inclusion. I hope. I pray. Like how when I was a kid, I remember I didn't, I didn't feel like I fit in very well, as a lot of kids don't. At the time, I was fat and awkward and nerdy. I had zero athletic ability, poor social skills. I was a racial minority in my school. So I was one of those kids that never got picked for teams, didn't have many friends. I often felt lonely. But one upside to that experience of exclusion was that it also made it so that uh, church was a place I wanted to be. Because church was a place where people were consistently kind and welcoming and inclusive. And that's what made me stick around. I was lucky to have a church like that. I knew from a young age that church was where I belonged. And today, that's always what I hope and pray for, that the church would be that for everyone. I think about this on Sunday mornings all the time, about how important it is to welcome one another in this space, how central this is to the good news, the gospel, the idea that we belong that God embraces us here. How I wish everyone could feel that same sense of belonging that I was just lucky enough to feel in my congregation. Because it was also in part that sense of belonging that later helped me to feel welcomed by Jesus and by God. It may sound funny to put it, put it that way, but it did actually happen later for me. After I'd been in the church for a while. Faith for me has been a progressive journey. It didn't happen all at once. If it's been different for you, that's great. I'm just sharing my story of belonging, and I hope you have your own. Like how when I was in high school, because I felt so welcomed at church, I ended up in a Bible study with a youth pastor where it was often just me and him, because I was the only one that showed up, right? It was just like Philip and the Ethiopian in that chariot. This guy, Bruce, he would explain the scriptures to me, and I would come to see myself in them. I remember one day we were reading Matthew 25, the section about God separating the sheep from the goats. It's a little scary. I got concerned. 
I realized that uh, at that point in my life, I hadn't done any of the things Jesus said were prerequisites for life in the kingdom of God. Things like feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting prisoners, welcoming strangers. What if I don't make it? I said to Bruce. What if I get to the end and God doesn't want me? I think my pastor said something at the time about having faith, but it didn't mean a whole lot to me at the time. It wasn't until a year or so later when that guy had to leave the church abruptly due to some church politics, kind of like Philip disappearing. And then something changed for me. All of a sudden, my spiritual guide was gone, disappeared, and I noticed that I was all alone, all alone. There was no one else left in that Bible study, not much left to belong to. But this pastor, fortunately, he wrote me a letter after he left. It's pretty brief and to the point. He said, Mark, I meant to tell you, you don't have to worry about making it into heaven. You're already in. You've always been in. You are baptized. No matter what you do or don't do, you belong to God. Always and forever. So remember your baptism. And that was it. Like with the Ethiopian man, there was nothing dramatic about my story. No miracle involved. And yet this good news changed my identity at a deep level. This declaration of belonging. I could go on my way rejoicing. It didn't matter if there were others around with me in it or not. Because somehow, I finally understood that I do belong to God. That we all do. We were and are in. God will never leave us or forsake us. We will never be alone. Friends, this is the heart of the Gospel that, again, I hope we continue to share with one another and with God's people all around the world. Those who are near and dear to us and those we encounter on the road who don't look like us, don't sound like us, don't seem to fit in. My hope and prayer is that our congregation also can be a community that declares this truth of belonging in ways that others haven't been able to hear before. Whether they've been in the church for years and years, or if they've shied away from the church because they thought it was exclusive and condemning and cold. Like Philip, all of us as disciples are now called to run alongside others to share the good news until everyone hears it in a way that they can accept and embrace the fact that we are accepted and embraced by God. This Ethiopian man, he asked, what is there to keep anyone from getting baptized? The answer is still nothing. Nothing at all. For God welcomes all of us, no matter our race or sexuality or socioeconomic background. Whether we happen to be fat or skinny or popular or peculiar, God embraces all of us just as we are. This is what gives us hope, it gives us faith, 
It gives us all the ability to go on our way rejoicing, knowing that God is with us wherever we go. Amen?